Hi, this is Liz Weaver, and you are listening to the Learning Success Podcast, an information-packed podcast with the latest news, information, and tips to help you overcome a learning difficulty. For anyone suffering from a reading difficulty, writing difficulty, a math difficulty, a focus problem, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, or ADHD, this is the place for you. The Learning Success Podcast is brought to you by LearningSuccessSystem.com. Now, let me tell you about our host, Emily Sir. Emily is an educator and child care professional with international teaching experience. She has taught English as a second language, tutored the fine arts, and various other positions with kids all over the globe, including Spain, South Korea, and most recently, Australia. She received a Bachelor of Arts in English and Sociology in 2012 and has done extensive academic research, which has been published on multiple occasions. In addition to all of these things, Emily has dyslexia and ADHD and therefore has a greater understanding of the need for an open forum on these subjects and the impact they have on today's educational atmosphere. So, without further ado, welcome to this edition of the Learning Success Podcast with Emily Sir. And here's Emily. Welcome back to the Learning Success Podcast, your weekly resource for news and education and learning disorders. This week, we'll be discussing the warning signs that your child may have a learning disability, traditional methods of coping with it, and some alternative methods for dealing with a learning disability and all that it entails. After the break, we'll discuss some brain science, specifically how the brain works, why it needs to learn new things, and how counting change can help your brain to work even more efficiently. But first, let's get back to the basics, how to tell if your child has a learning disability. In a learning success article of the same name, Judy Hanning goes into detail about the classic warning signs of a learning disorder. The most common signal is that a smart child is struggling in school. Not just in one subject, but several. Everyone can encounter a problem or two, but if it's a consistent issue, your child may have a learning disorder. Take dyslexia. That would cause issues learning in all subjects because the student was unable to read the assignments properly or would possibly misinterpret simple maths equations. Other learning disorders work in much the same fashion, disrupting learning in many different subjects simultaneously. Ms. Hanning encourages seeking professional advice if you think it's a possibility, but there are some ways of testing. Most of them have to do with visual processing. Check your student's written work. If they are having trouble writing and copying, that may mean their visual processing systems may be, as Ms. Hanning says, in distress. One way to strengthen visual processing is to do sight exercises such as having your student wear a patch and track objects in various patterns, like left to right. If your student has problems with this type of exercise, then it may be time to seek professional diagnosis. Now, once you have an official diagnosis, one of the most common solutions offered is a various array of drugs specially designed to combat the symptoms of learning disorders in children. As convincing a solution as they may seem, they have a wide range of downsides, and there are alternatives. Learning Success contributor Hannah Roberts recently published an article entitled ADHD Drugs and Heart Disease. In this article, she revealed that 3 to 4 million children are prescribed stimulant drugs to treat symptoms of ADHD. Those are just statistics for children with ADHD. 
there are a whole range of other learning disorders and a whole new set of drugs to match. There is a vast amount of talk to the benefits of such stimulant drugs, but little discussion of the possible negatives. These drugs have been linked to such things as heart disease and high blood pressure, and in some cases, even loss of hearing. These are fairly rare side effects, but when there are alternatives, it's worth considering the risk. According to another Learning Success article by Judy Hanning titled, Children Taking Psychoactive Medication, drugs with these type of side effects, like Ritalin and Concerta, have been used as a means of behavior control in children since the 1950s. Since it's now 2016, and the use of these types of drugs have done nothing but increase, I think it's high time that we start exploring alternative methods. Carefully regulating your child's routine can assist greatly in reducing the effects of things like ADHD. Monitoring their diet to limit sugar and carb intake, regular exercise, and a clear, relaxing bedtime routine can go a long way to help your child manage their ADHD without use of drugs. There are alternatives for other learning disorders as well. It just takes a little bit of research and a lot of time and effort to implement them. It's not a cure, but it's a help. And sometimes that's all your child needs in order to start progressing themselves. Now it's time for our break, and when we come back, we'll continue with a more in-depth look at the brain, how it functions, and how to change certain aspects of it without the use of drugs, psychoactive or otherwise. For decades, the world thought that our brains would never change, that we were stuck with the brains we were born with. But modern neuroscience has turned that old belief on its head. We can change our brains. So if you or someone you know suffers from a difficulty in reading, reading comprehension, writing, spelling, or math, you can change that. Maybe you've been diagnosed with dyslexia, dyscalculia, or dysgraphia. There's hope. Modern science calls this neuroplasticity, the ability for our brains to form new neurons and new neural connections. No one knows everything about neuroplasticity yet. It's pretty cutting edge science. However, a lot of evidence suggests that certain body exercises can trigger it. We call these exercises bilateral coordination exercises or BCEs. We've put a lot of BCEs in the learning success system. If you've been struggling for years trying to overcome a learning difficulty, if you've tried everything, then the answer might be the learning success system. Get rid of that I'm just not good at dot 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 attitude and start making a change for the better. If your solution has been to just try harder, there's an easier way. If you have a difficulty in reading, writing, spelling, or math, there's an underlying cause. If you don't get at that underlying cause, then just trying harder only leads to frustration. The learning success system breaks down the components of learning. You'll find the weak spots and work on them. Instead of studying harder, find the underlying cause. Sure, that's a little work, but it's so much less work than suffering with the learning difficulty for a lifetime. Get started on the learning success system today. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com. I'll see you there. Welcome back, guys. Before the break, we discussed diagnosis and treatment of learning disorders, specifically the importance of researching possible alternatives to traditional psychoactive and stimulant drug treatments. This half of the podcast will deal with understanding how the brain of the average student works, how the brain of a student with a learning disorder differs, and how to help improve the functions of the brain without use of prescription medication. 
First off, how the brain works and how you can change it. Learning success article written by Judy Hanning. In this article, she explains that the brain is divided into three parts, left, right, and the space between. I know we're all mostly familiar with the left-right brain dichotomy, but I'll do a short review just in case. The left brain controls analysis, words, reasoning, the hard science type stuff. The right brain is the creative side and is responsible for music, shapes, movement, and visual processing, among other things. There is actually a fascinating difference in the learning methods of right versus left brain dominant students. There are two distinct types of learning, part to whole and whole to part. To contrast the two, let's take learning to play the guitar. Learning to play the guitar whole to part would mean learning everything at the same time. So you'd be looking at how to hold the guitar, how to make chords, which chords you're making, how to hold the fret, and so forth and so on, all at the same time. Learning part to whole would mean learning every aspect of one part, like mastering technique, then moving on to strumming. Then after learning that, moving on to learning all the chords. This takes all the parts and create the whole after every part is mastered. As you may have already guessed, the linear style of part to whole is the purview of the left brain, and the slightly haphazard simultaneous whole to part is right brain style. I myself am right-brained, so I use the whole-to-part strategy. It can be challenging and a little bit messy, having notes and manuals and goodness knows what else spread across every learning surface in the house. But it's how a good deal of people learn best. Now, as I mentioned before, there is a third part to the brain, the middle. In average brains, it is the gateway between left and right. It creates paths between the two sides and enables efficient communication between the two. This creates a harmonious learning structure and allows both right and left brain dominant people to retain information in many different forms. Learning disorders happen when the middle part becomes not a communication switchboard, but a wall. A barrier for information to wriggle its way through, sometimes coming out mangled or switched around. This is what happens in such disorders as dyslexia. The middle part, or a nerve bundle called the corpus callosum, doesn't transmit visual information properly from the right to the left brain and it comes out the other side jumbled. This is what causes the letters to swap around or to appear to dance on the page. Ms. Hanning goes on to further explain that the corpus callosum is not fully integrated at birth and is integrated by such coordinated acts as crawling and looking up. When the integration does not happen properly, then learning disorders are produced. Luckily, there are ways of strengthening the corpus callosum that do not involve taking drugs, and Ms. Hanning lists a few of them, so check out the link below. Another thing we've discovered is that our brains love to learn. Why? Well, according to a learning success infograph called Why Our Brains Love Learning, it's because learning also helps assist the corpus callosum in its duties. When we learn something new, be it a language, musical instrument, or even counting change, it creates new pathways of communication in our brains. This could be especially beneficial for kids with learning disorders, as sometimes the main source of their problem is a lack of communication in the brain. Just an FYI, the process of forming new information pathways in the brain is called neuroplasticity. Learning new skills also increases the density of gray matter, increases the size of the brain, and strengthens the synapses. Also, there's cross-training involved. Just because you're learning a typically left brain skill doesn't mean your right brain doesn't benefit. The entire brain is engaged when a new skill is learned, and that also increases the help it lends to the corpus callosum. Finally, I'll end with a suggestion for an excellent skill to start with. I mentioned change counting before, you may remember. Turns out counting change is a very valuable skill, especially with, for those who struggle with math. It increases the micro skill of counting. It takes math and makes it tangible, which will definitely be a help with students with ADHD. Having something to do with their hands and something visual to focus on will help increase their focus on the math.
It's also useful because a lot of kids don't have a lot of experience with counting physical money. It will also increase awareness of money and can help with the future skills of balancing checkbooks, doing taxes, and other such practical things. So go ahead, bust out that loose change and get to work changing the brain of your child and yourself. Help them decrease the severity of their learning disorder while simultaneously learning a new skill and all without the use of drugs. It can't hurt. Thank you for listening to the Learning Success Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you have learned something useful, something that you can take back and improve your life with today. If you would like to say thank you, the best way for you to do that is to share this podcast with a friend. Help us help others along this journey. And if you haven't already, please rate and comment on the podcast. Every rating helps us and helps this podcast get out to more people. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. Thank you again and make today a great day. No one should have to live with a learning difficulty.